This is Laura Deirdre with the Becker's Healthcare Podcast. I'm thrilled today to be joined by Gary Gooden, Chief Technology and Security Officer at Seattle Children's. Gary, it's a pleasure to have you on the podcast today. Uh, thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. Before we jump into the questions, could you tell us a little bit about your background and a few points of pride for Seattle Children's? Certainly. So I've been in the technology industry for almost 30 years. Um, uh, came up through as a network engineer and did quite a few different roles within the IT stack, as it were. Um, spent years, many years within the entertainment industry, some years within the manufacturing industry. Prior to that, some years within the construction industry. Um, <clears throat> then I spent some time in life sciences before um, ended up in um, healthcare um, as a technology executive. Relative to Seattle Children's, it, it, it's it's really hard to not find points of pride relative to the mission of the organization. Uh, Seattle Children's is one of the largest pediatric institutions in the country, servicing four states as a health system, Washington, Alaska, Montana, Idaho. And, and from that perspective, both on the clinical and the research side, there is just a tremendous amount of work being done um, with respect to uh, providing critical care for kids and the research related to finding cures for childhood maladies. So from that perspective, it, 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 the mission is fantastic, and the, the community that we service um, is one in, that we clearly hold dear to our hearts, and um, those are all points that resonate with me and the whole idea of being able to give back to the community in some way, shape, or form and create a technology environment where we can allow our providers and uh, IE clinicians and researchers a platform in which they can innovate is is really important while doing it in a secure manner. That sounds great. And obviously, it's very great to have a, a such a mission-driven organization that you're working with. Now, my first question is, what are your top priorities today, and how do you see your role evolving over the next year? So I came to Children's in spring of 2019, so actually today is my two-year anniversary. And originally I came in as a CISO, and one of the first things I had to tackle, if you look at, if you look at um, uh, the, the technology space from a technology process and people perspective, uh, what I really had to tackle is the technology. Um, so we've spent about the last 16 months really focusing on technology in, in regards to there being a lack of it or there in regards to um, having too much of something or duplicative technologies in certain areas within the security stack. And we have done that. And now we have a fairly normalized operation. Now it's time to focus more on process and then people. That's against the backdrop of the exponential rise in the security threat landscape, and which is what has driven us to literally coalesce two roles, that being of cybersecurity and just general infrastructure services on a one um, um, technical leadership team, which is why I occupy the title of CTSO. So from that perspective, um, my priorities are really built around the concept of zero trust and zero trust as a set of principles to, to essentially look at our infrastructure services as well as anything that we're doing within the security space from a security-centric point of view. The idea being is that 
um, and I think I alluded to that in my earlier comments about my background is that we have to think about ways in which we can provide our or 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 healthcare providers and our researchers with infrastructure that will give them as much chance by way of them being able to innovate. And that has to be done against the backdrop of trying to provide them with tools and technology and access to innovate, but in a manner in which they can do it securely. So it's this very fine balance between um, openness with security in mind, so that we have as little friction um, in regards to us stopping them from getting their work done. And that's a real trick. And the whole idea behind zero trust, which is basically trust, trust but verify, is predicated around those concepts. So it's, it, it's, a, it's having as little friction as we can apply to the environment within the construct of a zero trust framework. So priorities are multivariate. Um, the, the, the security program and the, and, and the infrastructure program that I manage um, covers um, areas like security engineering, incident response, identity and access management. I actually run a program office, so we handle all of our auditing-related and compliance-related activities. Then we have our core technology teams that focus on, on our storage infrastructure, our server and compute infrastructure, our virtualized environment. Um, or we have a client engineering team. Um, we have a we have a, a significant networking voice telephony team. Um, we also are involved in all of the construction projects related to the organization, and as well as um, we also hold responsibility for what I refer to as cyber physical security, meaning infrastructure related or systems related to. The, the, the physical security of the organization, how those teams interact with that technology and how we partner with them to provide them with technology solutions for which they can do, thereby do their work. So the priorities around what we're doing today really evolve around pushing the zero trust philosophy in terms of how we design networks, how we think about doing security attestation in the cloud. And that's something that we're gonna keep evolving through this year and, in, and into the very near future. Absolutely. I think that sounds really interesting to think about that dynamic as you've been talking about between making sure that your team is able to innovate and have the latest technologies, but at the same time thinking about security and figuring out how to make sure that, you know, you're not leaving yourself at risk. And I'm wondering, you know, when you are working with your colleagues on that, and they're obviously excited about a new innovation or new technology, and, and you have to go in and, um, you know, try to figure out how to make it work from the security side of things. How do you communicate that with them? How do you, um, you know, make sure that everybody is of the same mindset when it comes to security on the technology side of things? Um, so if I'm understanding your question, you're referring to colleagues within the technology space or um, just in general within the population from a collaborative point of view? Got, yeah, yeah. More of a in general. I assume on the technology side, you know, there's probably a pretty good understanding of that. But, you know, in the general aspect of things, maybe those who, whether it's clinicians or, or others within the organization that get excited about something and then have to, you know, uh, figure out the, the security side of things. Well, I mean, I think it's always a really tricky situation where there's this notion of expectation. So you have, you know, a, a clinical environment 
which is very much about process and repetition and, and, and adherence to standards. And you have a research community, which is all of that, but done in a more open manner uh, relative to the thought processes are those that are more related to um, a, a tertiary educational environment. So a lot of our researchers are affiliated with universities. So it, it's, a, it's just a cultural difference between two organizational structures. And they have to meet in the middle to form a bond. So there's a, there's a cultural set of challenges that requires you to then utilize technology in an enterprise way, but that will put them in a position where they can just do what they need to do. So from that perspective, we tend to um, meet very frequently with certain leaders within different parts of the organization. We talk about their strategic plans. We give them insight into some of the things that we're working on. Um, from a support perspective, uh, we have high visibility with our C-suite. I report into the CIO. Um, I report out to a subset of our, our board on a quarterly basis. We do annualized reports for the full board. So from that perspective, the mission of providing security in the context of infrastructure and then how to provide those services in a frictionless manner while keeping the organization secure is something which I wouldn't necessarily say is completely understood by the environment, but is, it is fairly well understood by, by key executive leaders within the organization. Got it. That makes sense. Uh, now, I'm wondering, what are you most excited about today and what makes you nervous about the future? Well, what, what makes me excited today is really about the, the relative to the future um, has a lot to do with what I made reference to before whereby we're designing a strategic plan around zero trust as a philosophy. Um, today, in many respects, people think of security, they think of device security, not security relative to the entity, the individual. Um, but we see security really coming from the entity, the individual, and devices that enslave to the individual. Um, so those are key components of really pushing for this notion of zero trust and do it in such a way that we're pivoting more and more of these, these services into what I refer to as cloud consumptive security services. Um, the idea of the, the new remote environment that we find ourselves in post-COVID um, is quickly becoming, I don't want to call it the new normal, but for, bet, for, for lack of a better term, that's what I would call it, the new normal. So the, the idea of providing access from whatever device and for wherever you are um, at any point of in the day to get to the information that you need to get to, but in a secure manner. So things along those lines and then creating an environment where we can allow our researchers um, the wherewithal to do what they need to do in as flexible as a way in which they need to do it, but securely while allowing our clinical workforce to operate in a way in which they need to operate so as to maintain clinical efficacy and efficiency within their, their organizational space, those are critical things to us. Those things excite, excite me. Uh, what makes me nervous is the whole notion of what you don't know. Um, we saw what happened uh, with the solar winds breach. Um, 
from what they referred to as a supply chain attack, which was a unique type of supply chain attack where trusted software was compromised in such a manner which we didn't even know it was there until months after the actual um, 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 co-opting of the infrastructure was known about. Things like that really made me nervous, only because the we're we're constantly in a mode of trying to catch up to what quote unquote bad actors are doing. I don't see any particular cooling down in the security threat landscape simply because it is a good business for the bad actors to be in. There is a, a significant economic upside to their activities, whether they're um, lone wolves, whether they're part of organized crime syndicates, whether they're part of what we refer to as advanced persistent threat groups, state-sponsored or not, they all have an economic impetus for doing what they do. So it is the notion of the unknown, which is what is making um, uh, my life difficult and, and will keep me in a slightly, in a state of nervousness for some time. The, the, the whole idea of defense as a good form of defense has always been proven to be tricky as opposed to attack being the best form of defense. So therefore, technology innovation on the security side has to continue and an investment within the security space has to continue vis-a-vis. Um, it doesn't matter how stable you think you are. It doesn't really matter how innovative you think you are in the present. If you're not thinking about the worst case scenarios that are yet to come, then I don't think you're thinking correctly. That's a great point. And especially when looking at, as you mentioned, you know, the different types of threats um, that are coming out, you may not even know where, where it's coming from next. And so I think that's a really interesting point just to, to make sure that you have the um, say all children set up in a space to where you're not vulnerable to what's known, but also as much as possible getting ahead of things, um, you know, that could be coming in the future. Now, I wanted to wrap up our conversation by talking about leadership. Can you share three pieces of advice for emerging leaders today? Sure. Um, first piece of advice, and, and by emerging leaders, are you referring to emerging technology leaders or just emerging leaders in general? Yeah, yeah. So I think um, given you know, your role and perspective, I'd love to hear for, uh, advice for your emerging technology leaders. I think that would be really helpful. Certainly. Um, my first bit of advice is to not think about the technology necessarily. Think about um, the problems you're trying to solve and think about them in a, in a holistic manner. Um, understand that you need to have support to get what you need to have done, actually done, um, and trying to understand how to solicit support within the organization that you might be associated with to get things done. And you know, we talk about the three things, people, process, and technology. So you talk about um, people, which is the relationship side of it, um, process, trying to figure out what the problem, actual problem is, and not be reactive, but be holistic, take a step back, think through the issues. And from a technology perspective, that really comes last. It's really more about then how to apply the correct technology solutions into your environment that will align to the problem that you're trying to solve while having the support of individuals up the chain who can either help you or make it very difficult for you to push forward a program. 
if you don't have the support required um, at a very senior level, it is highly likely will not be successful and or will just find it very, very difficult to make progress within your environment. And with that, in, in turn, will just frustrate you. Um, so from an advice perspective is, is be measured. Um, think about the problems you're trying to solve. Garner widespread support for what you're trying to do. Apply the right technology to solve the problem stated. And then deliver. The more you deliver is the more equity you're going to have, the more goodwill you'll have from the people that you need to get support from, and the more trust they will have in you for being able to deliver on the solutions that you say that you provide. If not, you will simply, if you think about it like a bank account, if you don't do that, then you, then you, stand, you, you, you run the risk of, uh, of having more withdrawals than, than you would have deposits in terms of goodwill. And that would be negative for your development. Gary, thank you so much for this fascinating discussion. I really appreciate you being here and I look forward to connecting with you again in the future. Oh, thank you very much. It was a pleasure. And um, anytime I'm here to help, uh, just reach out to me. Thank you.